Welcome to episode 66 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey and I both suggest some holiday gifts that are animal-themed, and we learn about two new super cool animals from Asia. We then learn about our mysterious animal of the week, before Casey gives me a challenge that does not go well. So let's get to it. Episode 66 of the Animal Addicts Podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 66 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your host, Allie. And I'm Casey. This time I was ready for it. <laughs> Didn't throw me. And today we're going to talk about a whole new assortment of awesome animals. But before we get into that, what have you been up to, Casey, since last I saw you? So I'm officially moved in, kind of, but not really. How are you officially, kind of? That because I still have a bunch of boxes to unload. Oh, okay. So like you guys are fully in the house, but you still have to unpack. Yes. That's very different. Okay. It was a mess, though. It took three days. Moving usually is a mess. Yeah, because we had a bunch of people wanting doing it different ways, but we could have just had two trucks in one day and get it done. Oh, that's but no. <laughs> yeah, two trucks over the three days and then five trips total. Ugh. Yeah. And my animals, I transported myself. As well as I made sure I had this bag of my animal supplies. And I was like, do not put this in that truck or anyone's car. It's going with me. I'm not losing this. Yeah. Have things been lost so far? Not mine. Okay. Thankfully. Um, but yeah, and then they were all in their totes. And I was like, paranoid that things were going to go sliding while I was driving. But it was a smooth ride. Did Just, you buckle them in? I can't really buckle them in when they're in totes. How big is the tote? Well, for my turtle and crab, about this big, and then for my ball python, it's this big. Oh, the ball python one would be tough. The turtle yeah. and crab we could do. I can do that mm-hmm. in my car. Yeah. But yeah, they were sitting on my passenger seat. Ball python was on the floor. She was the best out of the three. They probably put them on the floor as your safest bet behind your your front seats. That way they don't. Well, move. no, that's where my other tanks are. Because I had a, I have my feeding tank. And then my hood for one of my other tanks oh my that gosh. needed to go in there. <laughs> and a few other supplies were also in. So transporting the them was super fun, it sounds yeah. like. My turtle though, um I should I initially had a blanket over him. It's mm-hmm. like and I probably don't need it, but he was just moving the whole entire ride and it's like, stay still. It's like what, twenty minutes though from where you were? Thirty five. Oh, okay. Were you guys deep in Fallbrook? Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, it's not that far down the freeway. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is like, it's not that far away based on the freeway, but when you go into Fallbrook, it's about a 10, 15 minute drive yeah, from the freeway. Yeah, if you're deep into Fallbrook, <laughs> then yeah. Same thing with Valley Well, no, Valley Center's worse because yes, you're not I've near a freeway. Yes, Valley Center is much worse. <laughs> yeah, you're not near a freeway at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Oh, back in the day. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so now everyone's settled in. My tanks are set up. I need to try to figure something out for, like, doing water changes. Because mm-hmm. wi- it's going to have to be through the window, or I can get a new water changing system, which is what I would prefer. But those can be expensive because I need a longer one. Why would you need to do it through the window? Because I can't. I don't want to be moving around with buckets through the house. Oh, yeah, no, that's really annoying. 
I feel like, well, I feel like any big tank I would want to have, that's what you'd have to do because it's not near a sink. Yeah. <laughs> so you still have to take buckets through your house. Yeah. Which but is annoying. there's like the Python water chain system where you can just hook up to the sink, let it run one way, and then it siphons, then turn a switch, and then it starts filling it up. And that'd be much easier that I need a sink. And one's not really near what. There's one in the what is our washroom. I don't know if that sink works, though, because I have not used it. I would hope it works. Well, it's for the... That's where our washer and dryer are. We don't really... I don't know why there's a sink in there. I'm just not used oh, to those. there's sinks rooms. in there is a lot. Really? In those places, they have those a lot. I'm not, not used to Not all it. the time, but they do have them a lot. Mm. Sometimes you have to hand wash stuff, man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but... Two nights ago, I got to finally relax in the jacuzzi. So. Oh, how was that? It was nice. That sounds nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show up at your house and be like, let's go in the jacuzzi and talk about our next episode. <laughs> yeah. It's... Show up at your house. The, like, almost hour drive out there. Honestly. Because you, you have to pass through Temecula, and you're going to hit Temecula traffic no matter awful. what. Yeah, Temecula is Driving the worst. Driving past Temecula is the worst. It's the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. If you could just skip Temecula, it wouldn't be as bad. But yeah. I mean, that's still a long drive, but it's mm-hmm. doable if it weren't for Temecula traffic. Yep. So, yeah, things are coming together now. Yay. Well, that's good. I have noticed, though, my turtle, for some reason, spends a lot more time at his basking platform than he did at the old house. The old house was hotter. So. Well, it fluctuates. Right, like right now, it wouldn't be hot. Oh, that's it's true. Crazy. It'd be cold now, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, just an observation of me. Huh. Mm-hmm. He's just like, a eh, new place. I just want to check but things out. so much out. more room. I'm happy. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And AC. Yes. <laughs> that's a huge difference. I remember the first time I rented a place and I didn't. I just assumed that was standard. I regretted that. I was like, never again will I rent a place that does not have AC. It was awful. <laughs> Oh, my God. In the summer, it was awful. Yep. Anyway. And the winter, I had my little space heater, and I definitely blew the fuse one night. <laughs> one day with my little space heater. I was like, yep, that's fun. Oh, well. Yeah, I used to have those little portable heaters, yeah. too. It's you like... turn them on for, like, five minutes, and like, then the room's okay, at least. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't on very long, but it blew the fuse. I was like, yep, okay, yep. that's fun. Yeah, and then after those were old, eventually became old and dead, and then... I got a uh, electric blanket for Christmas once, oh. but then it broke. Oh, <laughs> sad times. Yeah. I felt bad, though, because I had mice and I had Afi at the time, so I was like, I don't want them to freeze. Mm-hmm. Like, in summer, I would literally put a bottle of water in the freezer and then just stick the bottle of water in their <laughs> in their little tank so that if they wanted to be near something cold, yeah. they could go oh. over to it. I was like, I have no way to give you AC. I'm just going to put this frozen bottle of water in there so you can, like, hang out by it if you're hot. <laughs> like, I don't know what uh. else to do for you. There's nothing I can do in the winter except give you more fuzz that you can, like... <laughs> curl up and mm-hmm. i'm like be friendly curl up next to each other <laughs> anyway um all right well that's fun that's exciting and in much better living situation yes um so i have been super busy and not had a lot of time and i was finally starting to look into um articles and stuff to, you know in preparation for this episode and I just came across depressing news, so I didn't want to do any of them because I was like, this is awful. And then what really happened is I found the one, which I'll talk very briefly about them, but I found the one and that led me to the depressing one. Mm -hmm. So anyway, basically my little journey was that um, we found out that there is a 
zoo in in Belgium. Yes. I think it's Belgium. Hang on. I should probably have pulled the article <laughs> up because I thought I would just remember. Yes. It's a Belgian zoo and they have two hippos that contracted H- HIV. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's another immune issue. Well, it's not really. It's not the same thing at all. Um, Completely different class I'm like, of it's virus. Not, no, it's not even an immuno <laughs> issue. Um, but anyway, but people with HIV are going to be more susceptible to COVID. So you know, there's yeah. the connection. Anyway, mm-hmm. but the hippos uh, contracted covid and as far as i know they're the first hippos to have gotten it usually it's cats and primates and things like that Mm -hmm. um so anyway that's a little scary that the hippos are getting it now but when i saw that and the hippos are doing okay for right now but anyway um as i saw that then there was another article um a little bit lower down and that one's super depressing and it's a zoo in nebraska the Henry yes, Dorley it zoo? is not. I was looking to see if it was your zoo. It's not. Okay. Um, so yeah, so there's a zoo in Nebraska, and they had three snow leopards die Aww. of complications due to COVID. So as far as I know, those are the first deaths in animals from COVID, which is horribly depressing. They mm-hmm. lost three snow leopards, and they love their little guys. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because you know whatever. I'll link it, but it was just really really sad. So they noticed that they had symptoms. Back in October, and then they didn't really talk about how they died or what the complications were. Probably pneumonia. Yeah, but three of them wound up dying due to COVID. So super, super sad. Um, so more of a reason to... Oh, oh my God. I had a patient the other day <laughs> who was at our screener station, and at least he read the questions, which most people don't, and then I go through them one by one and make them wait because I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Um <laughs> And he's like, note all your questions and COVID's over. And I'm like, tell that to my two friends that just had it and the people who are still dying. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm like, people like you is why and we can we have... never get past this. Because <laughs> we have a... <laughs> I know. I'm like, people like you is why we can never get past this because you don't take it seriously. And then, and we saw people come in who tested positive for COVID three days ago and they come mm-hmm. in. So it's like, no, 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 no. So anyway. Yeah. Um, Initially, I was of the mindset of um, wait for the booster until like some of these other countries can at least get their vaccination rate up. And I was like, no, I don't trust. Have you met else. Americans? <laughs> yes. That's my sick. Like and so, half of our country is ridiculous. Yeah. So now I'm planning on, I need to schedule my booster. I for- want to get my booster, but... I am nervous about doing it with all the stomach stuff going on because I'm mm-hmm. like, what the hell is going to happen? But also at the same time, um, there's no end in sight of this. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I might just have to do it and hope for the best because yeah. I obviously people are idiots and um, I would rather have it. Also, apparently, I think I heard them saying that Moderna has a a leg up on I don't know if it's the new um, the new variant or if it's something else. But somehow the they feel like the Moderna boost or not booster, but the Moderna vaccine is a little. Stronger. Yeah, that was a bit older. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with Omicron because we just don't really know much about Omicron. No, yet. that's true. Um, but yeah, they had um, antibodies I mean, that were more resistant to various strains than the Team Pfizer. Moderna. So yeah, woohoo! I'll probably be getting the Moderna booster. Who did you get first? Pfizer. Oh, you can switch your booster. No, I want the same booster. <laughs> <laughs> I want the same one. Yeah. Um, anyway, so super depressing. The snow leopards died due to complications, so you can read it yourself if you got... <laughs> choose to be depressed. But Just random. I also just recently got two other vaccines because it was way overdue for, 
I haven't got to my influenza shot yet. Yeah, I haven't done that either. And I was overdue for my tetanus. Oh, I'm super overdue for my tetanus. Yeah. Like, really overdue so for I my tetanus. So I got those done at my last appointment. And on my, on my little, like, chart thing, it says I'm overdue for this other one. And I'm like, is that going to be the HPV one that they keep telling me I need to get? And I, like, look mm. at them, and I'm like, look, I know that I look younger than I am, but you have my mm. birthday right there on a piece of paper. I am well past 26, <laughs> and you have to have it before. Mm. And they ask me all the time, oh, have you gotten this? And I'm like, I was already past 26 when this became a thing. Sorry, it's not mm. happening. Anyway, um, so yeah. Anyway, exciting times. Casey moved and I was depressed um, because work has been insane. So I, uh, I barely had any time and the first things I looked at were depressing. So that was great. It's really sad. So stop being idiots about COVID so we don't kill friggin' snow leopards and other animals. Like a bunch of ours at the park had it. Yeah. I'm happy they didn't get horribly sick. And who knows if it's going to do any long-term stuff to animals like it is to people, too, yeah. you know? That sucks. Care more about the animals than the people, obviously. Honestly, <laughs> they can't help. It's not their fault. They don't yeah. have any control over it. They probably have better vaccination rates. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people are still in charge of it, so. I wonder if the animals I trust choose. the zoological community more than the um, population. Uh, I trust the AZA zoological community. Yes, well, obviously um, that's what's implied. Yeah, but... um. No freaking zero. Exactly. I, but there's still, because you would, how many people are in medical, Casey? Mm. It's it's mm. disturbing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, anywho, but moving on. So um, we're doing something a little different today for our, um, what we what we generally talk about. Casey had an idea since it's shopping time. Yes, also, if you're a member of Patreon, I gave you some more shopping ideas um, with Tiger Lily's approved list of her favorite <laughs> toys so go buy them in time for christmas and hanukkah's when does this air i think hanukkah's over by the time this airs hanukkah's definitely over by the time this yes airs. hanukkah's over by the time this airs yeah <laughs> um so i guess I a belated hanukkah or christmas present or just because anyway so um casey what are what are we talking about uh today we're talking about we're each talking about good Christmas gifts that are animal themed for your animal lovers. Great. It doesn't have to be Christmas. It could be a birthday, too, or, True. you know, whatever. But it's just the time But of it year. is, yes, it is the Christmassy holiday thing. But I'm just saying, you could you could use these again. Yeah. So, one of, the, one of the things that I think everyone should have given how stupid people are <laughs> is books. <laughs> everyone needs to read more. Um, so they do Facebook. <laughs> That's what people read, and they believe it. Honestly, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so a book I'm reading right now is "The Evolution of Beauty." It's written by ornithologist who I cannot remember the name of, and I'm very slow at reading it because I'm busy. <laughs> but yeah, I've been has... able to read in forever, man. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, had that one covers like um, theories about sexual selection, how. He's trying to dispute the idea that sexual selection is just a special form of natural selection when his argument is that it is um, subjective and purely aesthetically pleasing for the animals choosing mates. Oh, okay. It's interesting. There's some parts that for the layman might be a bit more difficult because he gets into statistics, and I do disagree with his assessment on the statistics. Uh, Oh, snap. I disagree with all other things I've read. Um, <laughs> another good one is The Sixth Extinction. Uh, I can't remember the name of the author for that one either. 
I can't ever remember names. You're gonna have to link all these books. I will. Okay. But yeah, that one talks about the current anthropogenic caused extinction event that's going on right now. I'm sorry. What was that word? Anthropogenic. What does that mean? Caused by humans. Oh, okay. I mean, the anthro part was human, but like, what's the pogenic part? I'm like, I have not heard that term. Like, some are. Some are um, trying to advocate for now. We're entering a new era called the Anthropocene. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that has not yet been accepted. What is our current era? I, you Holocene. Know, no. I it? remember reading like Jurassic and all that stuff. I'm like, I don't know. Where are we now? <laughs> I haven't thought of that. Oh, I stumped him. He's going to look it up. Okay. The current one is the Holocene. Okay. So I was correct. Look at that. Didn't know. That's exciting. Holocene? Like Halloween? That's amazing. Oh, my God. Well, we're in the time period where Halloween was invented, so it makes sense. Yeah. And then, of course, if you're really into evolutionary biology, you have to read the um, On the Origin of Species. Yeah, I haven't tackled that. Well, I I was trying to read all, like, every year multiple books and at least one, like, scientific one, but then life has become so crazy. I'm mm-hmm. like, there is no time for me to sit and read. Yeah. It'd probably take me an entire year to get through a book, I think. And then you would forget everything that you've read because it's been, like, a month since you yeah. last picked it up. The best one that's easiest to read is the sixth edition. Oh, so, okay. Good yeah. to know because I do want to read that. That is on my list. Mm-hmm. But it's just so... So weighty, and also <laughs> there's no yeah. time. I actually went on a shopping spree a couple months ago mm-hmm. to this one really cheap bookstore. I basically bought a library of <laughs> science books. Nice. But I got a new book, sh- additional bookshelf, so I have more room. Yay! That's one of my dreams. Like my dream home is to have like a little mini library. Oh yeah. Then I can have my like sciencey section. Just plug me an entire D and D section. <laughs> I did kind of split up to that. Room. There was like. Two and a half, all science section. And then there's my nonfiction. I uh, my my fiction. Your fiction. All my yeah. novels and stuff like that. So yeah, those are three books I recommend. Okay. What, real quick, quick wrap up. Origin of Species. On the Origin of Species, Six Extinction, and the Evolution of Beauty. Okay, cool. Yeah. On to the next thing. Yes, the next thing. Um, also, those are all probably around fifteen to twenty-two dollars. Um, another thing I think is a good gift is fossils because I'm a big paleontology nerd along with a biology nerd and they intersect so much. I believe it counts. <laughs> it's still animal themed. Yes. Um, the funniest thing though, um, I'm really into insects and it's like one time my mom was saying, it's like, I think you're more into insects than animals. <laughs> it's like, they are animals. They are animals. Yeah. You're like, specifically, I am more into insects than other animals. Yes. But, um, so some of the fossils I have, one of my favorite fossil animals are the trilobites. They're, like, one of the most successful animals that ever lived. They survived, like, four mass extinctions. And they're these tiny little marine arthropods. Mine's a decent size, like, three inches. And there's they come in a large variety of shapes. And you can also tell it's cool looking at some of them because like ones that have really long legs, you can tell that they kind of live in more muddy environment to display their weight. Then there's other ones. They're going to be really more expensive that have these large protective spines on them. Ooh, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah. And they also, the cool thing about them is, um, their eyes fossilize because they're made of calcite. So you can actually see what their eyes look like. And they're very similar to insects. But they evolved their eyes completely independently of insects. 
That's crazy. Yes. And those vary in prices a lot. You can find some trilobites for real cheap, like five to six bucks. Oh, wow. And then there's other ones that can be in the hundreds of dollars. Yeah, I would imagine that. I feel like if I was going to have a fossil, I'd want it to be at least a $50 fossil, like yeah. something that's, you know, challenging to find and cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I wouldn't be able to explain them. Yeah. So they'd just sit there and look weird. <laughs> yeah. And then if you ever have the time, there's places you can go. If you know a bit about geology, I'm knowing where's the best place to go and go find your own fossils. What? It, yeah. Okay. We need to, in this upcoming year, go on our, our little um, words, field trips, mm -hmm. and we should go for a fossil hunt. Yeah. Cuz where how far do we have to go for that? Let me let me pull this in for a second. <laughs> Not too terribly far from my university. Within 2 hours? Yeah, definitely within 2 hours. Oh dude, let's go do a fossil hunt yeah. one day. <gasps> yeah, cuz that's where um I actually for my I took a paleontology um, principles course and one of the things I had to do was identify where these fossils cuz I was given this little kit of fossils um that I get got to keep um that were collected by amateur fossil hunters so where are you going to get these fossils that somebody's property it's usually public oh, if it's okay. private if it's your private property you can do whatever you want yeah um but if it's like public land and this is more so with vertebrates you need to report it <laughs> do they let you keep it though usually not depending on where it's well found. then how are we gonna go fossil hunting no this is just specifically for like dinosaur fossils and large vertebrates oh but if it's other stuff they don't care yeah invert yeah because invertebrate fossils are a dime a dozen there's few that are there's just so many okay i'm just trusting you that we're not going to get in trouble legally because <laughs> i don't want to get arrested for that yeah um or pay a fine for that but i want to mm -hmm. bring a little like I'm thinking, well, now I'm thinking of Jurassic Park because that's how they start. When they're, like, <laughs> in the beginning, like, dusting off. The... <laughs> I want to bring a little thing. I'm going to dress in, like, that outfit. And then we're going to go get some fossils. I'm excited. Yeah. This is going to be one of our field trips. So that doesn't cost a lot of money. If it's two hours, that's fine. I'll drive there. Yeah. But, yeah, you can, um, my professor even showed a video of the location. He did not disclose the location. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, uh, showed them uncovering trilobites and some other um, invertebrate fossils. I am more excited about this than I should be. <laughs> it's cool. It's fun. I am just excited to like go on a little fossil hunt and I will know nothing. I'll be like, what is this, Casey? What is this thing? It's yeah. a old bug. <laughs> my old bug now. Yeah. I do have I, uh, my dad. <laughs> I do have a fossil that is uh, preserved amber. Uh, and it has a crane fly in it. What's and a crane it, fly? What do they look like? You know, you probably heard them as mosquito eaters. I don't know. Huh. <laughs> I don't think I have. But yeah, they're, they kind of look like mosquitoes, except much bigger. Um, kind of a bit long proboscis looking I'll mouth. I'll try to quietly do this. But no, yeah, it's not quiet. I got that as a birthday present, and it's on a little cane to to be like the Jurassic Park yes. thing yeah. and it's a very good replica of it oh yeah they do look like a mosquito mm -hmm. kind of yeah. looks like a, what are those bugs the B-52s or whatever those things are called B what? yeah it's like a I wonder if that's what that actually is <laughs> I don't know anyway <laughs> oh there's some bug we yeah. would see all the time it's like oh it's a B-52 mm -hmm. um anyway okay cool well fossils alright great yes. Great. So, and I personally think invertebrate you, fossils are more interesting. You go and, and go on your fossil hunt, and then you give. Can you imagine? Okay, some people that'll be awesome. Normal people will be like, What the hell did you just give me? Thanks. <laughs> 
for this bug fossil. I honestly, I do have a few fossils from that course, and it's like it looks like a rock, but if you know what you're looking for, it you can tell. Okay, we have to find fossils that actually look like fossils, Casey. It can't be like there's one tiny little speck, and I'm like, oh, that's it. Look at my fossil. You would never know. Well, it's inter- they're still interesting. Is it? Yes. Okay. I'm less excited about this Because, like, now. some of our early, the oldest fossils that we have aren't even, like, biological fossils. They're chemical fossils. Well, that's not fun. <laughs> I want cool. biological fossils. Well, I, we, we can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope this trip is not going to be wasted. We're going to have to do this when I can eat again because I'm going to need some caffeine and stuff out there. <laughs> Bring some chocolate if I'm frustrated to be like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not finding any biological fossils and they're, like, a centimeter big and mm-hmm. you can't tell what they are at all. Anyway, okay, so fossils are an idea. <laughs> yes. And uh, one website that where all my fossils came from was fossilera.com. They um, legally and ethically sourced all of their fossils. I was going to say, is there a store where you can go buy fossils, or is this basically probably. online? I mean, I'm sure if you're in an area that's like, you know, like the petrified forest type area, like yeah. things like that will probably have some, but like... You can't just go to, like, Fossils R Us and go shopping for fossils. Usually it's, like, local shops. Like, I know there's, like, mineral and geode stores. They usually have some kinds of fossils, like fossil shark teeth or sometimes petrified wood. Yeah. Okay. I've found coprolite a few times. What's coprolite? It's it's fossil dinosaur shit. That's fun. (laughs) That's fun. I'd want to be wealthy enough that I would throw that at people. (laughs) Be like, I just threw dinosaur shit. You knock them out? pretty great <laughs> let me tell you people you do not need a firearm to protect mm-hmm. your house you and just have your coprolite your dinosaur shit that's how i defend my home i throw dinosaurs dinosaur yeah. shit at people and knock them out but don't you remember like when there were like those dinosaur animatronics at the safari yes park? at the and animal park yes there was like this little dig pit and you got these rocks those were fossils i do not remember the dig pit oh really i remember yeah. getting the stamps my... at all the different dinosaurs mm. I, think I that loved was a that thing. It was where they had dinosaurs. Well, I don't know if they had a dig pit, but they had the dinosaurs. Yeah. I loved that thing. Of course, mm-hmm. now that's paved over and it's Australia. Yes. <laughs> and I also really miss my Zen place there a lot. I do like the Australia habitat too, mm-hmm. but I really do miss that Zen area. But yeah, you'll see like these little. It's like it looks like a black flat rock, and it has these little like white spots that are going to a spiral. It's actually a fossilized. Uh, that's the fossil of a mollusk. Hmm. Okay. I'll There's a large variety of fossils. Okay. I personally prefer um, invertebrates because I find invertebrates typically more interesting. Yes, you do. Yes. You should dress as like a grasshopper or something for Halloween. You should be some sort of a grasshopper? bug. I'm just yeah, whatever bug. You should be a bug of some kind. All right. All right. So you that's You have to be fossils. a bug and I have to be a mammal. <laughs> Continue on. Yes. Um, the last thing, which is something I've gotten a couple of times, but both times it died. <laughs> So, this is the closest thing to a pet I could recommend. It's called an ecosphere, and they're really cool. So, basically, okay. it looks like a little snow globe, mm-hmm. and inside it are is a living ecosystem. It has shrimp and algae and bacteria, and it just takes How care of How big are these little shrimp? They're, like, itty-bitty tiny. <gasps> they're little, the little shrimpy shrimps. Yes, little shrimpy shrimps. Oh, okay. But yeah. So, basically... It doesn't. You don't feed them or anything. It's a completely enclosed system in the snow globe-looking thing, and you just make sure it has partial sunlight. Make sure it doesn't get too hot or cold or get direct sunlight, and it takes care of itself. Completely self-sustaining. I can't. I can't keep plants alive. I don't think I could keep that alive either. <laughs> you probably could. 
I kept it for almost a year. Um, the problem was during the summer, my house just got way too hot because we didn't have AC. Yeah. So it got cooked. Global warming <laughs> in a ball. Terrible. Terrible. But yeah, they're like really cool. They're more expensive gift. Um, the smallest, and there's two kinds. There's like the sphere one, which looks like traditional global snow globe kind of thing. And then there's one called a pod, which is a bit more oval shape. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the cheapest one is the small sphere. Um, that's about $80. And then it goes all the way up to extra large, which is about nine inches in diameter. And that's about $500. So do you just like stare at these little things? Yeah. And there's a little magnet that comes with it, so you can scrub off the algae that grows on glass. Oh, okay. Yes. What if the magnet falls off and falls in there? You can't get it back. No, it's literally all enclosed. You can't get in there. There's a magnet inside the globe, and then you have one outside, and you put it on there. It attracts the other magnet, and that's how you scrape off I the algae. I just don't trust it because we used to have those for fish tanks, and sometimes they'd fall, and then you had to go in the fish tank and get the other magnet out because it wouldn't yes, catch you- it again. So you it would wor- not be able to get your other magnet in this case because you cannot get inside. Yes, but it's, it will work. This, I've used it tons of times. This sounds cool, but also terrifying. It's very like Horton Here's a hu- yeah. Who. Like they're a little like, it's like a little Whoville in there. Mm-hmm. And you're just staring at them. Yeah. this And this all actually originated from NASA. For Crazy. like um, their plans on like colonizing other planets and making enclosed systems to live in. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fun. Yeah. It's a really cool gift. Um, but yeah, just make sure don't, it doesn't get direct sunlight it. or don't have get a cat overheat. that knocks it over and breaks it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are they fragile? I've never tested it out. <laughs> I've never dropped it. Right. Uh, I'd be like, oh God, my little shrimp. Okay. But yeah. Let's get you a new one. But yeah. It's a really thing i like them all right so casey says books fossils and ecosphere mm-hmm. okay mine are simpler um the most basic one because we did not you know differentiate if these should be for adults or children and these kind of work for both in some cases so toy animals are the classic right the little like actual hard um you know plastic animals and now they have some that make them like they're recycled and stuff i don't know how good they are or whatever mm-hmm. i'm also very picky and i like quality so i can't stand it when they're just like they look cheap you know what i mean like they just don't look good yes i remember like this conversation really at the zoo <laughs> sketchy i don't remember this conversation really? at the zoo. we were looking at a toy and i was like that's terrible yes that you, were, what happened? you were looking at the little cylinder packet yes one, yeah and you were commenting on the yeah, colors I, and i things. do like to use those for because they're cheap for like D if you're a druid and you change into things it's a cheaper way of doing it and you don't have to paint them but they're usually really shitty anyway but yeah so but there are good quality animal toys. Um, also, one I would say, um, and horse people probably know this, Briar Horses. Good stuff. I remember being a little kid and my grandma would take me toy shopping. And they, I don't know, I haven't seen Grand Champions in forever, but Grand Champions is another brand, but it's not as good as Briar. And although I think you could actually like brush their tail and mane. But anyway. Um, and she'd be like, you can get two Grand Champions, you can get one Briar. <laughs> and little bougie me would still choose a Briar. <laughs> but they're great, but they do break. If you step on them or something. But they're awesome. Their quality is really good. So I personally love Briar Horses. They're awesome. As an adult, um, when I first joined the company we worked for, we had an equine section and they had Briar Horses. And I Mm. never actually did it. And I'm shocked because I thought I would use my, like, Christmas discount to go and buy some of those. But they had, like, the $50 ones, which are, you know, crazy. I would still get them. Honestly, if I had room to, like, display them, I would still get them. And I also still have 
mine in a box <laughs> and stored. Oh, I, I remember while packing, we found like some of my sister's dolls and they still creep me out. <laughs> They'll do that. But anyway, yeah, so little toy animals, like little wild animals and, you know, briar horses, horses, dogs, cats. Oh, do you remember? I think they exist, but I think they've changed it up. Um, oh, God, what was that called? Oh, my gosh, I've forgotten it. They're little, not pocket pets, but like... I can't believe I have forgotten what those pets are. I'm going to have to look it up and update you guys because that's going to drive me insane. But you had like, there were little dogs and they had like zoo ones too. Oh my gosh. These are toys? Yeah. Massive choking hazard. But obviously they're not for teeny tiny mm. children. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I can't remember the name of those. But I had a ton of those and briars and just like animals. And a lot of those animal ones hold up really well. So um, anyway, they're good quality stuff. I always, you know, quality over quantity. Plus, you don't want to have to store as much stuff. Anywho, so toy animals, great. I think when I was little, like, every time we'd go to the park or zoo, I would get one. Or, yeah. like, they'd buy me, like, one or, like, a little pack. So that's a really fun thing also when you go, like, if I had kids, I would do that too. Anywho's. Um, and then, so we have toy animals. And then also, I have a ton of shit. And um, sometimes you want stuff that's not things because it takes up so much space and you don't want to have to deal with that. So, two options that do not take up space and will not clutter your house. One, zoo passes. Great present um, because that allows somebody to go to the zoo or the animal park or whatever place you have, um, you know, and go learn about animals and see animals. They don't have to worry about the cost because it's taking care of them. So, that's yep. an awesome present. Um, and then my other one, I would suggest something like horseback riding lessons because that can be really fun. And again, doesn't take up space. Horseback riding, if you really go into that, at least if you go into English, get used to spending money because that's expensive. Horses are just expensive at all, yeah. period, as a hobby. But like if you're in English, it's going to be super expensive. Yeah, my friend has two horses. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how people have horses now, but you know, if like your family does or something and you're just, mm -hmm. or a lot of times you can just go to stables and you don't like have a horse, but you don't like rent it, but like, you know, you can ride horses in the stable. I think it might be on her aunt's property or someone else i don't know i think she knows yeah so horses are awesome but they're extremely expensive and all the stuff involving them is extremely expensive but still it's still fun to go for like you know for horseback riding lessons or something you know trail rides are really fun I used to do those as a kid because i was lucky enough that i had friends who had horses and uh yeah and it's just it's just fun riding horses and hanging out with horses they're cool except when they try to bite you but you know <laughs> or if they freak out and buck and you try not to fall off we used to when i had lessons for oh, forever ago we had one teacher and the rule was if you fell off the horse you had to get her a chocolate cake and one what? horse yeah and it was, you know not that you don't want to fall off a horse already like i feel like that's already enough incentive i don't want to fall off this horse but we were riding and like the horse i was riding wasn't the horse i usually rode and she didn't want to go into a canter and like just as i got her to go into a canter the trainer like came out and like made a I can't, wow, I don't know, I was so quiet, but noise at her, and she freaked and, like, bucked and jumped and, like, all this stuff, and I, like, slid, but I had my arms around her neck, and then one leg over, like, the saddle still, but I was just hanging. Luckily, she was, like, trained if she lost her rider to just stop, because if she had kept going, I would have fallen off, but I was just sitting there, and I was like, I'm not off the horse, <laughs> and then she's like, you can just come down, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm obviously not getting back up at this point. Anyway, um, right on like this. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I found it hilarious because my dad would never let me train jumping. 
but I was in gymnastics as a kid, so uh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, jumping is dangerous. That's how um, Christopher Reeve got, you know, paralyzed and everything, but so was gymnastics. <laughs> so anyway, but yes, yeah, so my three animal toys, suit passes, and horseback riding lessons. So, woohoo, really lessons for any kind of, or any kind of animal experience tickets type thing. But make sure it is, like, actually, you know, ethical. So, those are our, uh, our suggestions for you. And that brings us to our picks for this week. And I chose it. I almost said you did. And mm. I, I'm going to just give a heads up a bit. I chose this specifically because I wanted to choose a thing that Casey chose later. <laughs> That's that why I, I made. Wait, what? Yes. You wanted to choose a thing. You'll that see when we get I to it. Okay. When we get there next week, you'll see who you chose. Who I made uh, this category, so I could choose that later. I got and it. And then you swooped and I got it, and I was like, "All right, fine. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. We're still covering it. Anyway, so my category was our favorite Asian lizard. Way to be specific. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say reptile because I wanted to take the one you took. <laughs> I wanted to do that too, but I also wanted to do this because it's really cool. Yes. All right. Anyway, Casey is also got to say, Casey put his on. I looked at a picture. I'm like, what? The, these are also really cool. All right. Tell us about yours, Casey. Yes. I'm going to be honest. I did not. I literally learned about this lizard this week. <laughs> this is how I do all of these picks for the most part. All our newer ones. I did a Google search, found it, and then went down a rabbit hole, and I am kind of ashamed this isn't an animal of the week. <laughs> oh no! Yes. So I chose the Malaysian butterfly lizard. Okay. Tell us about them. Yes. So their t scientific name is Leolepis triploida. Tri triploida. Okay. So Leolepis? Yes. There's nothing about them that's lion-like. Why do they have Leo as part of their name? I'm pretty sure I'm actually, it's pronounced wrong. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. But when there's three vowels in a row, I guess. <laughs> that's your, that's how you deal with life. Okay, continue yes. on. So these guys are native to Thailand and Peninsular Malaysia, hence the name Malaysian Butterfly Lizard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is most often found in disturbed habitat in developed regions like agricultural areas, such as rubber and palm oil plantations, but they are also found in savanna-like habitat. And they're a pretty small lizard, only about 99 to 137 millimeters in length. And that's snout to vent. I could not find the total length, including the tail. Snout to vent? Yes. So where they go to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go <It's> vent. <laughs> yes. Or if you want to be scientific, a cloaca. Yeah, okay. I've just, I've heard cloaca. I've never heard vent before. Mm -hmm. I like vent more, honestly. It yes. makes me laugh. Yes. And they are omnivorous like most other agamid lizards, but the bulk of their diet consists of insects. And they are terrestrial species that will often dig deep burrows into the ground up to one and a half meters deep. Wow. Mm -hmm. And the butterfly lizards all belong to the genus Leolepis. Um, and they get the common name butterfly lizard, or sometimes butterfly agamas, from the fact in some species, they have bright, usually orange coloration on their sides. Most are sexually dimorphic with the males having the brighter coloration. Yeah, when I looked at a picture of this, I was like, it looks like a monarch butterfly on the side. <laughs> oh, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, that's why I figured they got their name. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess these are in Asia and monarchs are in the Americas, Americas. but still. <laughs> yes, um, this species is also has an interesting evolutionary history and form of reproduction. Okay. It is a unisexual species. What? 
That means there is just one sex. Wait, but you said the males have. I said in most species. <laughs> oh, in most species of uh, butterfly this. lizards. But this specific butterfly lizard is different. Yes, they are all females. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. In fact, of the nine species of butterfly lizards, four of them are unisexual. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And since there are no males in this species, the females reproduce by a process called parthenogenesis. And fun fact, parthenogenesis is derived from the Greek, which essentially translates to virgin creation. Okay. This form of reproduction offers a twofold advantage for the reproductive success of the individuals, as the offspring will have all the parent that one parent's DNA rather than having it being cut in half like happens in sexual reproduction. Hmm, okay. And you don't have to go out and risk finding a mate. Right. And this is well documented in several invertebrates, but is not nearly as common as invertebrates. As in space vertebrates. Okay. (laughs) Just to clarify. But there is over 80 species of vertebrates known to do this. Half of these are fish and lizards. And studies show that despite it being very advantageous, only 0.1% of vertebrates are parthenogenic. Hmm. Okay. And this reflects the advantages of genetic diversity um, from sexual reduction. Okay, gotcha, yeah, yeah. Yes. But how do these species become parthenogenic? How, just how does any of it work? It's all very confusing to me, so continue on. Yes, so there's two ways, two hypotheses for how this happens in vertebrates. One is by a genetic mutation that causes a sexual reproducing species to become asexual. But that is unlikely in this case. Okay. Because sex, sex termination gets very complicated. So a single genetic mutation would probably just not be very likely. Okay. The other um, pathway is through hybridization. Because in when you have two separate species hybridized, oftentimes the males are infertile or sometimes both sexes. What, hang on. The males are infertile and sometimes so both sometimes sexes are infertile when, or... So when there's hybridization, uh-huh. the offspring sometimes just die or don't even complete the development in okay. vitro. Or sometimes they are born and then they're not fertile. But in some species, it creates infertile males but fertile females. Oh, okay. Yes. And in the butterfly lizards, the evidence shows that there have been at least five hybridization events. Oh, my goodness. Four of which resulted in speciation events. And the fifth resulted in what's called mitochondrial introgression. Mitochondria. (laughs) It's... The powerhouse. (laughs) Mitochondria introgression? Introgression. Introgression. Yes. By the way, just letting you know, if you ever become a bio major, you will miss the days where the mitochondria is just the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> it's hell. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> that idea. You're going to miss the days. <laughs> the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. I'm dying. Okay. Yes. All right. Continue so, on. So this one that resulted in the mitochondrial introgression was between the common butterfly lizard and the Reeves butterfly lizard. And what happens is it's when genetic material is exchanged between species, so they hybridize, and then they back cross with their parents. So then some of their genetic material becomes nearly identical. Like in these species, their mitochondrial DNA is nearly identical. Hmm, okay. So they exchange DNA and exchange back to the parental populations. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> it's incestuous. <laughs> it's not. Um, and all the unisexual species have the same maternal ancestor, which is the giant butterfly lizards, as well as the same paternal ancestor, which is the Reeves butterfly lizard. Okay. With one possible exception. Take a guess. I don't know. What, wait, what am I guessing at specifically? Which as who must... their ancestor is? No, which one is the exception of the nine species? Oh, this one. Yes. Of course. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> um, when I first looked at the species' scientific name, I had a suspicion by the name, and I was right about my suspicion. But do you remember what the species epithet of the name was? Leo whatever's. No. Nope, that's, that's the generic the, name. That's the generic. Um, nope, I don't. Tripoida. Tripoida. The one you can say. Gotcha, yeah. Yes. And that is a reference to another feature in that this species is triploid. What does that mean? So it means they have three sets of chromosomes. Oh, okay. Which is very weird for animals because animals are almost exclusively diploid. Okay. Because things don't work right when our chromosomes duplicate to <laughs> too many numbers. Oh, dears. Yes. So how does this happen? Um, so usually when you have triploid animals, which okay. again are very rare, mm -hmm. it usually is the result of multiple hybridization events. The first one, which resulted in intermediate hybrid that either crossed back with one of the parental species, or it may hybridize with a new species okay. and creating this species. Okay. And in, for this species, it is likely the latter. Okay. <laughs> because, um... Genetics point to it having the same paternal and parental ancestors as the other parthenogenetic species, but it has some morphological features that are unique to the common butterfly lizard, which suggests there may have been an old hybridization event between the common and giant butterfly lizards, but there is no genetic signatures indicating this event. This is so much. Okay. I know. It's cool. Oh, my God. Now, the final question I have for you, Allie. Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. Why did all this hybridization happen? Because of events <laughs> in the environment, like the creation of the Pizzly Bear, but not global warming in this case, because it happened a while ago. Yeah. So. Environmental events is my answer, Casey. All right. So, evolution doesn't like hybrids because it usually has a dead end, because, mm -hmm. like I said, other reasons, it usually creates infertile offspring. Right. So and you don't want to raise resources producing offspring that just die or are useless. <laughs> are useless. Wow. Casey, are you useless because you don't plan to, plan because you don't plan to have children? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Great. In the scheme of life, I am. Okay. <laughs> so there are usually barriers in place that help to prevent hybridization from happening. And most likely in this case, there's probably quite a few where those barriers broke down. Because some of them are like before the act even happens, like the parts don't fit. They're not closely related, different number of chromosomes. But those ones, because they're so, the common ancestor of all these guys is so recent, those barriers are basically non-existent. Okay. So the biggest contributing factor has to do with courtship, actually. Oh. Because the giant butterfly lizard have less orange in the males, and they lack the ability to expand their rib cage to make a larger display. Which is so cool. It looks like a little flat yes. wing. It's awesome. Anyway. But 
and this kind of ties into the book I recommended. Okay. Um, the females are of all these sexual species are enticed by the males with these bright colors. Mm, okay. So with the other species males having these brighter colors and being able to put on more extravagant display, they were seen as more enticing mates for the females. Okay. So that is how you had all these hybridization events. Just forbidden love, basically. Yes. Okay. It's just cool because it happens so many times. <laughs> so it is current. The Malaysian butterfly lizard is currently listed as data deficient by the IUCN Red List. What does that mean? This means there is simply not enough data available to determine how threatened the species is. Oh, okay. And it is suspected that its population is increasing, though, because it is commonly found in urban areas and does quite well in those areas. That's good. And with urbanization on the rise, it is likely this species population is also rising. Okay. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. All right, the Malaysian butterfly lizard. I'm tired after that one. <laughs> okay. It's so cool. It, we're so excited. Also, mine's really cool, okay? Yours is, too. I will right. say that. So... <laughs> I chose, it has a couple different names, but the Draco lizard is what they're called a lot. Otherwise known as the common flying lizard. Uh, well, really the flying lizard, but the common one is, you know, the common one. Anyway, so their scientific name is Draco volans. I love them more. I'm just going to have to go through and make a list of all of our choices, like scientific <laughs> names. Like minor, clearly Sagittarius serpentarius, Draco volans. Like I have some great one. Anyway, that sounds like a person's name. Anyway, all right. Draco Malfoy. Yeah, but better. <laughs> yeah. All right. They are native to the tropical rainforest of southern India, as well as other regions in Southeast Asia. They display some sexual dimorphism. The males are around 195 millimeters in length. I don't have my ruler. <gasps> How dare you? I know. What? Millimeters to centimeters. What is it? 10? 100? Well, how does that conversion work? I don't even remember. Move a decimal over one place. Okay. So they're, where, where's that number? 19. Okay. 19. I'm like, where did you go? 19. Okay. So they're not even a full foot. No. no. Obviously. They're just little lizards. Okay. Anyway. The females average around 212 millimeters. Unlike many other species of lizards, in the flying dragons, both males and females have a fold of skin under their neck that's called a dewlap. It's so cool. I hope I can find a good picture of these guys for you. In the males... It is yellow, while in females, it is a bluish-gray color. Ooh, blue. Nice. Like other species of lizard, they will use these dewlaps for display and courtship, as well as other forms of communication. <laughs> Just communicate with a dewlap. That'd be awesome. This species is primarily an, insect an insectivore, with the majority of its diet consisting of ants and termites. Even though they are a diurnal species, there is a period of the day in which they have greatly reduced activity. It just moved on me. Oh my <laughs> and mainly stay hidden. And it is suspected that this is to avoid the highest intensity of sunlight. Oh, they're sensitive. As their common name suggests, this species of lizard flies. It actually, yes, <laughs> air quotes. It actually has adaptations that allow it to glide between the trees in its environment, but it is incapable incapable of power to flight, like most things that are flying, like flying squirrels and sugar gliders and all those. They glide. Anyway, in fact, the entire genus Draco are able to glide and have been given the common name flying dragons or flying lizards and consists of about 40 species, making them one of the most successful groups of gliding vertebrates. They're so cool looking, guys. Yep. Okay. 
The flying lizards are able to perform gravity-defying acts of nature due to specially adapted ribs. They have elongated ribs that they are able to extend and retract. Between the ribs are folds of skin that forms its wings, air quotes, <laughs> and are held at rest against the body when they are not in use. So much like a little sugar glider, essentially. You don't see it, you see it! Except for they don't extend their ribs on a sugar yeah, glider. Yeah, no, they just have happy skin. They just have skin, but still, either way, it still kind of functions the same. It's just yeah. not, you know... It's more basic. Yeah. Wow, rude. Because okay. it's a mammal. How dare you? All right. Um, so, oh, excuse me. I'm going to go. I really want caffeine back. So bad. We anyway. need to get you an IV. I know. I don't know if it would work. Anyway, so, um, great. So, when they feel threatened, they will go to the edge of a branch and jump. The wings catch some air, which they then use to glide across the flora- forest. Not forest. <laughs> They also have very long tails that act like a rudder, which they use to steer themselves while in the air and can travel as far as eight meters. That's a long distance. Must be a tall tree. Anyway, um, the males can also be very territorial, especially when there are females around, and will chase and even glide from tree to tree, chasing away males out of their area. That's amazing. I just want to watch them glide, like a little glide fight. Anyway, this species is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List. It is now being found more often in the pet trade, but this is not thought to be a significant threat. But the species is not widely captive bred, so majority of those found in the trade are wild caught. So don't, once again, just don't have all these lizards. Plus, how are you going to see them glide at home? You're going to have a yeah. setup where they're going to get to glide? That would be the whole You're point. You're going to make them a big old room for it. Yeah, you better have a whole, like, giant, it's not more than a terrarium. It's like an yeah. entire room that has to be that. So, like, I'll, I find them cool, but, like, out of all the animals you could pick, like, you don't see the cool part of them. I know. They put a little dewlap down, but that's it. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So that is the Jeraco lizard, otherwise known as the common flying lizard. And Casey. Yes, Allie. What do you call a lizard that wanders the halls at school? The hall monitor? Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. Did you look at that the way you... No. Okay. It looked like you were reading that. No, I was just closing links. Yay. You got it. Funny fact, I was thinking about like choosing a monitor. I was like, no, I don't want to be basic because I've chosen monitor a couple times. Yeah. No. These are way cooler. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so speaking of these cool animals, that brings us to our super cool animal um, who I'm going to say in advance cannot get an awesome picture of, which sucks. So definitely Google this one because it's super cool. Brings us to our animal of the week. And our animal of the week is... The Saula. It's so cool looking. Tell us about them, Casey. Yes. So these guys come from the order Artiodactyla, mm-hmm. the even toed ungulates, and they come from the family Bovidae. And the scientific name for this species is Pseudo Oryx nyatensis. A kind of Oryx nyatensis, basically. Okay, great. <laughs> so this species is native to a few regions in Vietnam and Laos in the Annamite Mountain region. It has one of the smallest native ranges of any large mammal on Earth and is found in only six provinces in Vietnam and only three in Laos. This is why they're not commonly known. Okay. They tend to prefer living in evergreen forests and wet lowlands like marshes and swamp-like habitats. And not much is known about this species' natural history, including its lifespan. And they historically didn't do well in captivity, so their lifespan is largely unknown. 
Based on relatives in the same family, a good estimate it would be to say that they live around 15, 20 years. Who's a relative that they base that off of? Various. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, they usually, usually when they do estimates like that, they'll take similar ones of similar size, shape, in the same family, close related, and get an average based off of that. Oh, okay. So these guys are about one and a half meters long and weigh 80 to 100 kilograms. Like other ungulates, they are herbivorous and the bulk of their diet consists of ferns as well as various species of flowering plants including fig tree leaves as well as grasses. And as I mentioned, there is so a little known about this species. Um, in fact, that it's so rarely spotted that it is known as the Asian unicorn. Aww. It was first discovered back in 1992 and was the first large mammal to be newly discovered in 50 years. Wow. And this discovery was actually based off of horns found in a hunter's house. And then soon after that, they found some skins and other parts of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it is so rare that the first sighting in the 21st century was in 2013. And the previous sighting to that was in 1998. So that, like, a local or someone saw them? No, that was where the first images. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. okay. And due to their physical appearance, it was first thought that they were closely related to goats and sheep in the subfamily Capernae, and later on, scientists suspected they were let, were an antelope species in subfamily Antilopini, but genetic analysis has revealed that they belong to the subfamily Bovini. Hmm. And are most closely related to bison, buffalo, and cattle. Yeah, I would not expect that from yep. looking at them. Nope. And it is unknown if the species is sexually dimorphic, um, but that is a common characteristic in bovids, so it is very possible. But it it but it is known that both sexes do have horns, and this is likely for defending against predators. Because it lives in areas with a lot of vegetation, good amounts of water, so it is unlikely that the two sexes are competing with each other for resources. Mm, okay. And the individuals that have been identified um, have been seen with scratches on their horns, and it appears that they use their horns to break twigs and other vegetation, which is likely used as a form of communication within the species. Hmm. And current evidence points to this species being solitary and possibly territorial. It is supposedly diurnal or crepuscular, as those are from the reports of locals who have spotted it. Um, it is active during day as well as dawn and dusks. It is also known that chemoreception is an important part of their communication um, because they do have scent glands located under the white markings on their face. Hmm, okay. Is also specific like other bovid species that touch and posturing are also important ways they communicate with each other. All right. And this species is classified as critically endangered by the IUCN Red List. It is also listed under Appendix 1 of CITES. And based on the frequency of camera trap photos and reports by locals, there is likely only a few hundreds left. Oh, boy. And possibly only a few tens of individuals. Wow. <laughs> And to put its status in greater perspective in terms of endangerment of extinction, the Sola is at greater risk than tigers, elephants, or any of the rhino species. Wow. <laughs> it is 
also a very genetically distinct species of mammal, as it is the only member of its genus. It is also ranked number 43 on the Zoological Society of London's Edge of Existence list, and diverged from all other species over 13 million years ago. Wow. The greatest threat facing this species is hunting, but it is not specifically targeted as it is virtually unknown in any commercial trade for British meat or medicine. Instead, it gets trapped in snares scattered throughout its habitat as people hunt for other valued wildlife. Mm, okay. Yeah, so it's just incidental hunting that's doing these guys in, it seems. That sucks. Yep. Habitat destruction is also a major threat as it already lives in a very restricted habitat. And with small-scale agricultural development, they are losing even more habitat. Oh, man. They already don't have a core habitat that is difficult for humans to get to as a form of refuge. And there has also been problems getting management plans to be effective because there is a lack of funding. And action plans have not been adopted by any of the central governments in the region. There are currently only three protected areas that are active and well-funded. And other areas are not doing well in aiding poaching activities. And in most of its range in Vietnam, it is protected. But there may be more important sites along the unprotected border between the two countries. And the current highest priority is to have effective patrolling against snares and other types of hunting. But there are now plans in place to make captive insurance populations in Laos and Vietnam which may be difficult because, like I said, historically, this species did not do well in captivity. Oh, no. That's so bad because then it's hard to save them. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what are they called again? The Asian unicorn or? So it's called the Sala, but they're also known as the Asian unicorn. Okay. Well, yes, the Sala is its name, but I like the Asian unicorn (laughs) because I didn't know that part. Yep. So um, they're pretty cool. You're going to have to Google it. I will put a picture up, but it won't be Mm -hmm. very good. Just going to tell you right away. So, all right, well, that is our animal of the week, and that brings us to our challenge. And it was Casey's turn to to choose to choose the challenge. So, um, what are we doing today, Casey? I am bringing back a problem from your past again. I didn't phrase that horribly. I don't know what I was going to say. I feel like first of all, I have a lot of problems from my past. Apparently, <laughs> on this, I don't. I won't do well this time either. The Asian quiz is back from revenge, Great, basically. just like the African one was. I think I did worse on the second round of the African you quiz. You did? Cool. Probably the yes. same this way. So I will give you 10 minutes. How did I do on the first Asian quiz, you know? No, because I've left off the markings. I do remember some that you definitely got wrong. I definitely did, but okay. I'm just wondering if I'm going to do worse or better. But anyway, okay, yeah. continue. Yes. So there's nine questions. There's some bonus in there. Okay. You want to do as best as you can so you Focus. can't be a failure. Wow. That's just like life advice. Yes. So I will give you 10 minutes. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, it's ready as I'm going to be. Okay. First question. How many of the big cats are endemic to Asia? Didn't you ask me this question before? I actually didn't. Oh, okay. Um, are endemic to Asia? Well, we have the Sri Lankan leopard. That's endemic. They don't go anywhere else. And then Tigers. Are we counting multiple subspecies of tigers? No, just tiger? just right. species. Tiger. Um, I don't know. Do those weird lions and the weird cheetahs count? Are they? Well, they don't because we're not doing I subspecies. I said endemic, remember. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I know, but like it's we're not doing subspecies, so it doesn't matter anyway. So tigers and I think they're only in Asia, yeah. So I'm going to say three. 
That is incorrect. Damn. What were you getting? We'll move on. <laughs> wow. Um, so a previous animal of the week was the gharial. Mm-hmm. What is the name for the knob at the end of the male's snout? Oh, no, man. That was a while. I guess it was last year. It was last year. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm going to say proboscis because that's part of the nosy thing, but that's not what theirs is called. Nope. Okay, cool. Okay. Penguins are the most trafficked animal in Asia and worldwide. How many species are native to Asia? Oh, no, man. We were talking about them in Africa. Um... I don't even remember how many different species there were. I'm going to say 10. That is incorrect. Okay. I feel like you're delighting in saying things I am not. (laughs) What is the largest snake species native to Asia? Um, is that where the reticulated guys are? Wait, are they the biggest one though? It's some sort of python. Mm -hmm. Um... Is it a Burmese python? It's some sort of python. I don't know what python it is. I'm going to say reticulated. It's probably wrong. That is correct. Yay! Asia is home to the snake that delivers the largest volume of venom. Which species is it? Um, I know a snake that I want to talk about coming up has the longest venom glands apparently but i don't know because i have not read about them yet (laughs) if they deliver the most venom um the largest volume of yes so when it bites it delivers more venom than than any any other other snake snake. i really don't know um i don't think it's going to be one of the cobras i have a feeling it's going to be a viper of some kind um I really don't know. Oh, I'm saying pit viper because I don't know my vipers. <laughs> That's incorrect. <laughs> All right. Name the five bear species found in Asia. Oh, no, man. Sloth bear. <laughs> <laughs> five points each, by the way. Oh, okay, good. Sloth bear. Um, I feel like we have talked about this before. We have. Yeah, we have. <laughs> um. Are the sun bears in South America or are they in Asia? I don't remember. I'll just say sun bear, but I feel like they're in South America. Um, I'm guessing they have a black bear and a brown bear. And, oh my god, I literally almost forgot panda. <laughs> okay. You got them all. Yay! I'll accept the black bear specifically. It's supposed to be Asiatic black bear. Oh, okay. That's fine. I almost forgot the panda dude. <laughs> oh my god! It'd be like the Indian rhino all over again. Okay. Which of Africa's big cats, and by the way, for big cats, I literally just mean size. Okay. Are also native to Asia. Well, there's those weird cheetahs in India, and there's those <laughs> weird lions in India. Yeah. Are we counting leopards because the Sri Lankan leopard versus like the normal leopard? I guess I'm gonna say yes. Um. I mean, that's pretty much. Oh, okay. You're saying size, so cheetah does mm-hmm. count. Okay. Yep. Um, I think that's it. I'm gonna say those three. You are correct. Yay. Most of the great apes are in Africa, but a few are in Asia. How many are there? Oh no. I really have no idea. So I'm gonna say three. 
That is correct. Yay! <laughs> Bonus. Name all three species. Oh, shit. <laughs> Orangutan? Um, I should know more about that, but I really don't. I feel like those are all in Africa. Um, I think those are in Africa, too, aren't they? They're in Africa and Asia. I feel like most things are either in Africa or Asia. You have five um, minutes, by the way. Oh, okay. We have plenty of time. This is like question five <laughs> or six by now. Um, okay, so. No, that's not there. It would also help if I actually knew what the great apes were. <laughs> are they in? You're correct with the orangutan, but you need to be more specific. Oh, come on. I'm not going to know which orangutan <laughs> it is. I don't know that. Um, I feel like these are all going to be wrong. Um, I'm just going to say chimpanzee and I don't know. Are bonobos in Africa or are they in Asia? I'm going to say bonobo. That's not correct. Okay, great. I'll give you sympathy point for the orangutan. Okay. <laughs> Sympathy point. <laughs> okay. Name all the rhino species in Asia. Indian rhino. <laughs> Not forgetting this again. <laughs> Javan rhino. Mm -hmm. I think there's a Sumatran rhino. How many? Well, you didn't tell me the number. You just said mm -hmm. name all of them. Yep. <sighs> I want to say there was like five. Indian, Javan, Sumatran. All the rhinos in Asia. I'm the worst. I don't know these things. I don't know. And I should know if there's a black rhino in Asia because I go to the park. <laughs> but, but I'm like, but is that Asia? That's not. Is that Asia? <laughs> I'm going to say black rhino because I think that is supposed to be part of Asia. Um, I don't think that's a thing, but I'll say Malayan rhino. It, that's incorrect. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can't wait to go so back. So initially, you were correct with those oh, for your first three. Okay. <laughs> it's the Indian greater one or greater one horn, um, Javan and Sumatra. Oh, I was going crazy. I only need to do three. Why am yeah. I trying to add rhinos into Asia? <laughs> All right. So let's see how many points you got. Like two. You got 55 points. Out of 100? Yep. Yep, that's about right. <laughs> I don't know if that was worse or better. We'll have to go back okay. and look. So I think I, you are getting confused with subspecies. Because yeah. when I... How many of the big cats are endemic to Asia? It's just two. Oh, because you're not counting a... Not counting sub. Okay, wait. No, I'm confused. Okay, so who are they? They are the tiger... And the snow leopard. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, oh, gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there was going to be a bonus. And this bonus question is, the genus Panthera is in the subfamily Pantheranae. How many species of this subfamily are endemic to Asia? Two? <laughs> the answer is four. Okay. The other two are species of clouded leopard. Oh, that's right. You said they were in. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. And the name for the knob at the end of a male gharial's snout is called a gara. Nope, don't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And there are four species of pangolins in Asia. Okay. And four Overshot in Africa. Them. Okay, overshot that by a lot. And there was going to be a bonus to name all four species. Oh, come on. I never would have had that. <laughs> I know it's not the giant because that's in Africa. <laughs> yes. So that was the Indian, Chinese, Philippine, and Sunda. Okay. Yep. Particularly, python is the largest snake in Asia. Woohoo! And the snake that delivers the largest volume of venom is the king cobra. Are you serious? I was going to say the king cobra. <laughs> but I'm like, they spit it first, and then they go they don't bite. Spit. Oh, who's the spitting cobra? There's a couple spitting cobras. What it's literally called a spitting cobra. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, first of all, yeah. I thought they were spitting ones, so that's why I didn't go with them. And I was like, oh, it's probably like the king cobra, but, but but they wouldn't do all that yet. Okay. Yeah. And then you got the other ones correct. And then you know the mistake with the rhinos. Yes. What are the other ones I got correct? You got the, you said all the bear species, correct? Yay, go. You got Two. the big cats that are in Africa as well okay, as Asia. Okay, cool, cool, right. And, oh, the great apes. Yeah, that was so bad. So all the great apes in Asia are orangutans. Oh, okay. And they are the Bornean, Sumatran, and Tapanuli. Oh, okay, 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 okay. All the other great apes are in Africa. Africa. Okay, all right. I was like, mm -hmm. I feel like the other guys are in Africa, but I'm trying to just make more apes there <laughs> yep good to know just the orangutans all right so so it was bad yeah um you know it's pretty bad anyway it doesn't help because i don't study this stuff and then also like my brain is just not on anyway mm -hmm. and i uh <laughs> and i just haven't been paying attention to the animal park obviously although they don't have a lot of those there and all the apes are down at the zoo for the most part yeah except for gorillas gorillas which I know are in Africa. So, <laughs> so that doesn't You remember happen. how many subspecies there are? Absolutely not. I wanted to say four, but... That's correct. Yay, go, go team. I couldn't name them, but... Yes. Two separate species, four subspecies. There's the Western Gorilla, which is the Western Lowland Gorilla and the Cross River Gorilla. Then there's the Eastern Gorilla, which is the Mountain Gorilla and the Eastern Lowland. Nope. Never would have had that. All are critically endangered except for the Mountain Gorilla. So there you go. Gorillas. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of this uh, episode of episode 66. Thank you for listening. As always, we're your host, Alex. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast.